Yeah, sure. This is Greg Milo with Activate This Spot. Thanks for joining me. And if you made it past the intro music, double thanks, because apparently that's been something that's um, people have just been listening to the intro music <clears throat> once they hear my voice. Nope, that's it, because this guy ain't singing. He's just talking about activating spaces. He's talking about getting places that were once dead spaces alive. Like, I've gone into graveyards. I've done it. It hasn't worked, but I've gone into graveyards and trying to uh, reactivate those peeps. Um, there must be a way, because I watched a movie once where... I think it was based on a book where um, some guy brought a body back to life. Then it wreaked havoc and all this stuff, so maybe it's a bad idea. But anyway, you guys ever have... I'm not really sure what type of uh, diuretic substance my dog rubbed on herself this morning after I let her out. Um, it was very... There's a thickness to it, very molasses-y. Um, the scent's still there. So if anybody has any uh, any thoughts about that, feel free to uh, reach out. Just throw a letter in the mail. It'll end up somewhere, probably in a bottle somewhere. And uh, the ocean currents will eventually rise up and uh, bring it to my doorstep. Today I'm going to be talking with Andy January. So I first met Andy um, a few years back. Actually, Andy and... Uh, I first met him because Andy and my dad went to uh, the University of Akron around the same time. They were part of this like crew that took over the Bookdol, the Bookdol like the uh, University of Akron newspaper, and they made a whole mockery of it. They called it the Bookdol Laugh, and they did an entire version of the Bookdol Light, um, making fun of the university. Like one, one headline is "Nude Statue of Auburn Proposed." Okay with balls. Apparently, Auburn and Balls were both important people on campus. Um, it wasn't appreciated. They got in trouble. Anyway, here we go. You got a life. Don't listen to my horseshit. Anyway. Yeah, well. Where's the microphone for you? Yeah, it'll pick it up. He's pretty resourceful. It's blue. This blue guy. Yeah, he's a good he's a good microphone. Looks like a robot. It, it's got that kind of yeah, kind of Battlestar Galactica feel mm -hmm. to it. Lots huh. of chrome, mm -hmm. kind of modern but retro at the same yeah. time. If you pet it, it purrs. Anyway, we're at we're at January's. Right on West Exchange, three ninety four West Exchange. We've been here since yeah. How long you been here? We've been here since nineteen sixty nine, and that picture up there. I was uh, that, that. That was uh, where we started out at the corner of Bowery and Thornton, which is now Thornton and Dart. The back end of our building yeah. was up against the canal. Right. And when I was, I, they started that when I was 10. Oh, this predates you. No. No. I was, uh, I was born 46. So, when, so in 1956, I was mm -hmm. 10. That's standard U.S. math. <laughs> so, but there was already a January's before you were no. working here. No. No. Okay. I mean, my dad and mom started it. Yeah. My mom, it was Eastern European, 
you know, how mm-hmm. those Eastern Europeans think. So, I read about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read about it. So I was uh, hounding her for 25 cent allowance. And today, when yeah. I was riding in the car, I heard on CBS. Was she driving? No. Oh. My, not today. No, my mom's dead. I always wanted to get a job if I got to heaven. And yeah. one of my good born-again Christians friends said, there's no work up there. And I said, well, somebody, I said, I could wash dishes, serve yeah. food. Something. And I said, well, then what I better do is ask God every day for an aisle seat. Because can you mm. imagine if you're in the middle oh, yeah. of the balcony and you have to go to the bathroom and there's a hundred million people to the aisle? Right. <laughs> You'd never make it to the restroom. Do you think that's what... Maybe that's the difference between heaven and hell. In hell, you're stuck in the middle. Facing backwards. <laughs> right, with big where's, people Where's on the restroom? Where's the restroom? Everybody going, I don't know. <laughs> Every time you start What's that big walk? wet stain on your robe? Well, I guess I didn't yeah. have to wait till tomorrow. So, so I, got, I decided yeah. that my job will be to muck out the stables because I found out that mm. the only animal in heaven was the white horse that, the oh, Lord wrote in on it during, in the book of Revelations. Oh, okay. So somebody's got to do that kind of work. I like work. That's why I'm still yeah. here. I'm 73 and I'm still working. Someone's got to clean that. Somebody's got to clean up after that horse. And I, would, I would think that would be more pleasant than sitting down with all the other people and, and if you got to hang out with the horse. I think so. I relate to animals. I particularly relate to dogs. You know the scene in Wizard of Oz... They get to Oz, and then there's the horse of a different color. Yes. It's, that's a little bit like January's. All these, you ever consider that? Just getting a bunch of horses and painting them different colors? And I'd use tempera. Oh, tell me about... Well, tempera is a powdered paint, mm-hmm. and you mix water with it. <laughs> okay. And then it turns into this really opaque, vibrant colors. A lot of times they used them back when I was a young man on theater flats. So you would, okay. they, they, like if you used paint that we sell, after a while you couldn't pick the flat up because it adds so much weight to it. But tempera, hmm. when it dries, is basically a powder that's kind of stuck together. But hmm. what would happen is, if you're, you know, eventually your horse is going to be outside when it rains, it's totally water-soluble. So if you okay. had a horse of a different color that was red, white, and blue, or green, yellow, yeah. and orange, you had a, a whole team of them, yeah. as they'd go down the street, the colors that they were painted would leach off and leave a colorful rainbow wow. trail behind the wagon or that behind them. would be one way to better activate parades. I think make sure that your parade is scheduled for a rainy day. Right. April, I yes. assume. Yeah, you, you, pretty good chance. Yeah. Or, yeah, right. anytime this last yeah. summer, perhaps. And that would make, I think that would be a whole new... Yeah, a whole new dimension on, to it. On parade. All right. So rainy parades. Rainy That's parades. That's what we'll activate. Because this podcast is all about activating... Spaces. That's so right, be, activating spaces. Yeah, that, that would be one way to reactivate parades. Because you know one thing about parades? I think they're kind of boring. What's your take on parades? Well, I was in a parade or two. <laughs> Have you been? Yeah, I was in... Um, back when Akron U... Back when I was in Akron U, there was uh-huh. ROTC, Reserve Officer oh, Training right. Corps classes. Mm-hmm. So there was the Air Force and the Army. Mm-hmm. And for Veterans Day, which was November 11th, which used mm-hmm. to be uh, Armistice Day, Armistice, I think. Yeah. No more. No more. So you have a constant war going. You don't need an armistice. <laughs> you armistice. Yeah, so... war 24-7. Yeah, Right. So anyway, uh, the ROTC battalions, I guess they were battalions, or yeah. wing. They had Army. The Air Force was a wing. And, and mm-hmm. so... Uh, 
we marched in that, and then eventually I went advanced ROTC, so I was a second lieutenant in okay. ROTC, and I looked like I was going to flunk out of ROTC, so I had to drop hmm. out, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. Was uh, it because of the physical, like running and jumping? And well, that was when I got the basic training in the Army later on in life, but no, oh, okay. Okay. it was just, there was, a, there was a classroom, major classroom component to it, hmm. the ROTC. Okay. And... Um, but we did march in that the downtown went down Main Street in the Armistice right. Day Parade. And then, because I was advanced, I got to get in front of a company of guys. I can't remember. There was probably 50 or something in there, 45. Yeah. And I got to call them to attention, left face, right face. Oh, person, all that stuff. All that wow. stuff. And then we headed down in this big formation down on Main Street, went down Main. Mm-hmm. And because we didn't march much and weren't, hadn't been to basic training or anything... It was like, I don't know, it was like the scout troop or a gym class marching down there, except we had <laughs> Army uniforms and Air Force uniforms yeah. on. And then later in life... Not shorts and sneakers. No shorts and sneakers. You had to look military. Mm-hmm. And then um, later in life, I always seemed to have a convertible around. Yeah. Car. Yeah. So That's another end to a parade. And so people were always looking for somebody with a convertible that had a back seat so you could sit up on the back and wave. Oh, yeah. And so I've driven in a number of parades. And mm-hmm. um, when you've driven in them, have you ever seen the opportunity to just, you know, throw it into fifth and take, take off? off? No, but I blew the horn a lot. I learned that in the Army when I was an Army reservist, and we'd go to summer camp. And there was a fellow named Richard Romano that came from down south of Canton. And I'm trying to think what, not Carrollton, he wasn't that far south, but it was a little small town. And Richard lived on a farm, family farm. Mm -hmm. And so we would drive all this army equipment. We we were an artillery battalion, so there was 500 guys in this thing. And we'd drive up to either Camp Drum, which is up near Syracuse, New York, Mm -hmm. Watertown actually, or Fort Knox. And every year we'd go to summer camp. That we'd hmm. take, it would take us two days to get there, and probably we couldn't have done it in one day, but Romano had what he called the Romano cutoff. Okay. And so we had to be in a military formation. We had to be, at, I think, 100 meters between vehicles. That way, if we were, came under attack, they couldn't wipe out six trucks because we were so... <laughs> You know, ass to nose, as they'd say uh-huh. in the army. Yeah. So you had to have space between you. Well, space minutes. in case you get attacked while you're on the seventy seven, like no, interstate? Oh, yeah, I ninety. You know, I ninety was a dangerous place. <laughs> at least that's yeah. what they told us. Yeah, well, I would uh, think or or yeah, seventy one. yeah, I know people from Erie, Pennsylvania, can be a little iffy. edgy. Yes, yeah. very edgy. So um, anyway, so we would space out, and they'd have the some officer probably. A, second lieutenant at the front of the convoy in a jeep with a radio mm-hmm. and at the back end it was like a train there'd be another jeep with another second lieutenant with a radio yeah. and then what happened in between was anybody's guess so old romano would signal us that it was time for the romano cutoff and whatever the next exit ramp was we would take off up the ramp and meant we got the top of the ramp and got the able to make the right turn we beat feet out of the area got as many miles away as we could <laughs> Yeah, because the Jeep in front and Jeep in back wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. The Jeep in back finally had figured out when 
there was no more of the convoy there. And we'd bring, <laughs> drag, it was like, it would, we, you know, there was 500 guys, there was a lot of trucks. We yeah. would drag this entire convoy up and off and off the road, and they'd start calling <laughs> on the radio and this, that, and the other thing. And um, hmm. so that was always a closely, yeah, yeah, it's a closely held secret. Where, where and when was the Romano cutoff going to occur? <laughs> and we're always, hey, Romano, when's the cutoff? I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. And you guys wouldn't get in trouble? Oh, yes, we'd get in trouble. I, so what happened was, one summer camp I decided that what had happened, it had been, the speed limit had been 70 miles an hour, so mm-hmm. we had the energy crisis, and the speed oh, right, got yeah. reduced. Is that the fire alarm? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the Romano cutoff. Yeah, signal. signal. So anyway, uh, but they lowered the speed limit, so now right. the Army vehicles... So this is the 70s. Yes, this yeah. was probably 72, 3, mm-hmm. something like... 72, 3, probably 73, I think, when they reduced the thing. So the civilian cars and us could go almost the same speed, and when we're going down a hill, if you push the clutch in, yeah. the sky's the limit. Sure, you had right. this big truck full of really heavy stuff. And so... Um, <laughs> I decided that what I was going to do is blow the horn at anybody and everybody. Yeah, military so, vehicles have horns, huh? Oh, my God. I wonder why. It's not like it's, when you're going into battle, you need to get the Germans out of the way by pressing yeah. on the horn. Well, they have bugles in the Civil War. <laughs> oh, and so, right, here we come. So anyway, okay. here we come. Watch out. You better be afraid of us. <laughs> so anyway, we were, uh, we, I would, when there was a carload of girls... Mm-hmm. below the horn and these had huge ha- air horns but they were kind of like if they were Italian air horns they were high pitched air horns so unlike mm. a semi which yeah. these were real loud but not like that it was much much more funny that military vehicles would have like a feminine horn well it wasn't quite feminine I sound feminine but th- this was more a higher pitched male okay. voice and we're, okay. and, and I had sure. a I had a what they called a deuce and a half two and a half ton truck that was diesel but they called it multifuel we could run it on anything mm-hmm. And then I had a big trailer behind it, and I had the arms room. In the big trailer, we had all the machine guns, all oh, the bazookas, gosh. all the M16s, With all the, the 45. Okay. All, all no ammo, just the, oh, just yeah. the guns, because I wasn't. I was sworn to make sure I keep track of the uh, weapons. I was signed for them. Okay. You never like put one in your pocket or something oh, like that. Oh hell no! They kept pretty good track yeah. of them, and so. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I started blowing the horn. Yeah. And so there was all these fun reasons to blow the horn. Mm-hmm. And so we drive from, and that was, the other, we were going to Fort Knox, which would have made sense to go out someplace, catch 71, mm-hmm. take 71 to Cincinnati, continue through Cincinnati mm-hmm. to Louisville yeah. on 71, and then yeah. go 10 miles times, on, what yeah. is it, 65 south. Yep. But because the major that was in charge of the convoys lived in Canton, he wanted his army to go past him, so we took 77 to 70, 70 to 71 in Cincinnati, and then head south. So I'm blowing the horn, 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 and I get to, we get down to Cincinnati, and we were in the wrong lane. The whole convoy is in the wrong lane. We needed to be one lane the other way, and so what I did was I put on my turn signal, four-way flashers, and stopped the trucks. And then I walked to the back, got out of my truck and walked to the back and did the military signal to change lanes. And we had the big special arm wave, and the guys that were coming up knew that they were supposed to scoot over Mm -hmm. into the other lane because I was up behind my truck, and they were coming in behind me, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were able to drop in the space 
That, no, that's right. I moved over one lane, got over one lane, and then I stopped. You stopped and, in the middle of the... the interstate. interstate yeah. Middle of the interstate. Because you can do that as a military man. Yeah, you know, we're, we're working for the government. We can do any damn thing we want. <laughs> we see that in the news every day. And so, <laughs> so, so anyway, I yeah. stopped, and so what happened, the, 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 that's what it was. The trucks were coming up behind me, yeah. and... I would motion for them to come over and go ahead because now there's a space in front of my truck right. that nobody's in. I was way ahead in the military yeah. thinking department. Yeah. So the, the whole damn convoy got <laughs> they through. They could have sent you into any, I don't know, Afghanistan, Iraq. Any, you would have figured that out in a second. I could have figured that. Well, so anyway, so we get down. <laughs> we're down now south of uh, Cincinnati at an Army National Guard center. Little old building. It's, we're in Kentucky. And... Um, this mate, this captain comes over and says, January, it's January. Why are you stopped in downtown Cincinnati? And well, sir, and I explained to him what we just did. I said, we'd still be up there if I hadn't been that. I said, and it's six o'clock and chow's on, so what's the big deal? And they said, the other thing, you blew the horn, must have blown the horn since, and they went on and on and on about blowing the horn. So we don't want you to blow the horn at all tomorrow because we had another day's worth of driving and I said okay sir do you understand January and yes sir I totally understand and he turned around and stepped away and I did it the Columbo on him the detective mm-hmm. sir sir excuse me just one before you t- take off I got to ask you a question regarding your uh, order what's that and I said now if I'm driving down the highway paying attention minding my own business and a situation develops in front of me yeah where there could be uh, a situation where there could be loss. Um, can I just say, we're here January Paints today, and I need to get somebody to come up here to help out oh, the yeah, front yeah, counter. Oh, yeah, please, do hey, your job. Hey, Harriet. So anyway, uh, he, I said if there's a, a situation that might yeah. result in the loss of military equipment, uh, should I blow the horn to prevent an accident? Yes, in that case, you'd press, and so... Uh, blow the horn. Mm-hmm. I said, well, sir, if we're driving down the road and I see a situation developing that could uh, result in a loss of life and or limb of yeah. military personnel, would it be advisable for me to blow the horn in a situation like that? Yes, January, go ahead and blow the horn. Well, sir, if I'm driving down the road, one more question. If I'm driving down the road and I see a situation where there might be injury or damage to civilian property, should I blow, it would be acceptable for me to blow the horn? At that case, yes, January, yes, January. Okay, and he turns around to leave, you know, for the fourth or fifth time. And I must have asked five or six questions. Yeah. And that same thing, if somebody lost a life or limb to people, yeah. animals, livestock, laughing stock, any kind of stock. <laughs> I went through all this stuff, and he finally loses his cool and yeah. yells at me and turns around and stops off. Well, as an armorer, you had to keep track of distressed weapons that were broken, jammed, cracked, smashed. So I had a little... Uh, spiral notebook yeah. that I flipped over mm-hmm. and so I had a, I had summer camp hadn't been going that long that I had a, had developed a list of broken stuff yeah. so I flipped my little my one page over and I made like five columns and it was date engine hours mile post I forgot there was like a couple other things but one of them was reason for horn blow so I had a horn blow log book because everything in the army has to have a log book to yeah. go with it. Right. So if he thought I blew the horn a lot the first day, the second day that I, it was like, how long did you keep your hand off the log horn button, which was just minutes after a six-hour ride from Cincinnati down to Fort Knox. So we get out of the truck, 
Like what's something you would have blown your horn at? Oh my gosh, short skirt. But I wouldn't put that down on the sure, book. Right, I would yeah. put down that this happened, that happened, at mile post such and such. And I didn't put miles, I put engine hours because they, they had a tack on these trucks, tachometer, and it showed engine hours. So they could keep track of how many minutes transpired between one horn blow and another. Yeah. And um, But it was stuff, you know, like somebody changed lanes close. Yeah. It, there, I mean, there was a lot of rationally things, but there was also a whole lot of irrational. Yeah. So this Sensationalizing the rational. Yeah, so this captain comes up, runs up. January, I told you not to blow the horn. And he said, I'm going to take you over to the, your captain's office, and we're going to write you up. And they had a thing they called non-judicial punishment, which they could take half your pay away without a jury trial. That's or even a time. hearing. That was big time. Yeah. Wow. And so then... Well, let, me, let me, before you get ahead. to that, what, like, what do you think the captain's beef was with you blowing the horn? It agitated him, and these guys were in charge. What people don't realize is a lot of times in the military, the officer corps was like nobility. Yeah. The duke, the baron, the this, the yeah. that. And then we were just the dumb peons. Mm-hmm. And I did an excellent job. Everything I did at the Army was superlative. I was, had the, we had five arms rooms, five armors in the, our battalion, and mine always passed the inspection with the biggest numbers and stuff. And I would come in and work extra for them. And I knew how to pass inspection, so they could turn me loose in something that I didn't know much about, like the mess hall. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was done, I had the mess hall looking like we had the best one in the region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> On paper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. so... you can get stuff done. Right. So anyway, but yeah. anyway the, let me just finish. Yeah. Tell, oh, let yeah, me tell course. this story. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. it's one of my favorite military stories. So this guy said, that, so if you didn't take an article, you could decline an Article 15. They, you didn't have a jury trial. You just went and talked. The captain would chew your ass out and take half your pay away. But you could go to the next step, which was the special court-martial, which was an absolute low-grade court-martial. The only thing is that the captain kind of shifted in his seat and acted like it was a trial, and you still were found guilty, except they could take more away from you, put you in the brig for a couple days or whatever they call it, stockade. Mm -hmm. So when this captain got done telling me he was going to give me an Article 15, I said, well, I'm going to decline that, and I'd like to get a special with anchovies. Now, did you go there? Because you started at ROTC, you didn't finish. No. ROTC. No. Then, but then. And it was hard to get out because if you quit ROTC, and they would send you to Vietnam. Yeah. And so, my dad wanted me to not go in right then because it was a bad time for our business. So he said, can, mm. see if you can get out of that. And I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to. I said, it'll be worse. I'll go to Vietnam. I'll be gone for at least two years, this, that, and the other thing. And I said, you're only worried about the next six, eight months. And he said, well, here's what I want you, what I want you to do. Is there somebody up there that's not an officer but's in charge? And I said, yeah, there's a sergeant major up in the office. He kind of runs the office. And he said, I want you to go up to the office and talk to that sergeant major and find out what he drinks. Mm. So I go up and... You know, scared shitless because the sergeant majors kind of ran everything. And yeah. I like, talked to you for a minute. He goes, "What do you want, January?" And I said, "My dad uh, wanted me to come up and ask this question. I'd never ask it myself. But what does Major, what does it, Colonel Roth, I think his name was, what does Colonel Roth drink?" And he goes, "Oh, I can tell you that, Canadian Club." So I go back, tell my dad, and he goes, "He's a 
rich drinker. Hmm. So my dad went out and bought a case of half gallons of Canadian Club. So that's six half gallons, <laughs> which was even today isn't cheap. Yeah. It wasn't cheap back then. And so he said, now when you go up to get out, take this case with you and yeah. drop it on that sergeant's desk and tell him you want to get out of the reserve, out, out of the uh, ROTC advanced program. So I come stop, 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 because we're up on the second floor of an old storefront by Akron U. Uh-huh. Drop this down, and the sergeant major's eyes just about popped out and said, is, is that what's in there, what I think it is? And I said, sure is. And he goes, well, why are you here? And I said, my father wants me to ask about what I have to do to get out of the ROTC, advanced ROTC program. And he said, well, you're going to have to talk to Colonel Roth. And I said, can I make an appointment? Sure thing. And how old are you at this time? Uh, it was 67, so I just, no, I was 66, so I hadn't turned 21 yet. Okay, so 20 years old. Okay. 20 years old. And so this Roth guy, big tall guy, was a pilot, you know, good looking, skinny, just skinny guy. And he walks out, what's going on out here? Who somebody mentioned my name? And I salute right away because I had my uniform on. Yeah. And he goes, uh, he said, uh, so what are you here for? And I explained everything to him. And um, bye bye, bye bye, see ya. And he said, so, and he said, but as far as I'm concerned, your good is gone. <laughs> and tell your old man he's got good taste. <laughs> And we're going to have a party up here Friday night, Friday afternoon after 4 o'clock. So they're probably all get drunk that But then you went into the reserves. Yeah, so anyway, I wanted to do something. Yeah. So I'll be available here in a minute. We're doing a podcast. So, <laughs> so anyway, he... Um, where we t- I was talking about this guy. So he said that there was a reserve unit opening up down Canton. So the four of us shot down to Canton, went and got on this waiting list, and they handed us a legal pad with three or four names on it. And we put mm-hmm. our name, address, and phone number, and there was another sergeant major. I remember him, Tucker. That sounds very official, by handing you a legal pad to write your name on it. Right, yes. Yeah. And so we put our names in on it, and... Um, one of the guys I came with said, gosh, that's a really short waiting list. And he goes, oh, no, no. He said, yeah, the waiting list, he said, um, is this. It looked like the Canton phone directory. And you just pulled out a phone book. <laughs> no, I pulled out a phone book, a small, a small Canton-sized phone book. And this, they had a clipboard. Yeah. And there was this many page papers oh clipped gosh. to it with a clamp on the bottom. So if the wind blew, these pages wouldn't yeah. come loose. And he opens it up and shows us that there's two columns, name, address, and phone number, name, address, phone number, both sides, typewritten. And we go, oh, my gosh, that's a long thing. He says, yeah, he said, uh, if you guys don't get drafted before, uh, probably two years before you get in. Oh, man. So we went home kind of dejected, and it was, uh, again, another important day in my life. It was around November, uh, November 11th, or October 11th. No, it was, that's right, that was Columbus Day. The other one, the parades were uh, Veterans oh, that's Day. that's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were closed. The Reserve Center was closed that Monday because it's a national okay. holiday. So yeah. Tuesday, we get, I get a call from the Sergeant Major, and he says, uh, January, if you still want to be in the Army, I want you down here at 1 o'clock today to take the AFQT, the Armed Forces Qualifying Test. Okay. 
eventually I became certified to give those because I became a recruiter before I ended my tour of duty. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. So that way, that's even another crazy story. So, um, <laughs> so anyhow, we drove down, a bunch of us drove down, the four of us drove down, and we took the test. And they said, now you have to pass a physical. So they sent us over to the Army Hospital, which is behind the carousel. Mm-hmm. Not the carousel, what is it? Yeah, the over there at Kelly and Waterloo Road, yeah. Kelly Avenue, and there was an Army Hospital, mobile Army Hospital. I went over there and got a physical, okay. and they called up and said, well, you passed the test, you passed the physical, come on back down, we'll swear you in. And that that's right, that was the week before. So Monday we couldn't go because it was Columbus Day, mm-hmm. so we went down Tuesday, and we got sworn in. And once we were sworn in, we asked the question, how did that waiting list evaporate? We figured there'd be a few people that didn't make yeah, it, but what long ha- list of, yeah. went away, and he said, we don't know. Somebody threw it out at the last reserve meeting, and the only thing we had was that yellow legal pad. <laughs> now, I have a pretty good idea because there was a guy who was very, very well-to-do, and his father was very, very, very well-connected mm. with a local sports team in Cleveland. Hmm. That narrows it down to just a handful. A handful of people. You deal with so many paints. What's a good army man paint? Like, what would be army green? Is there a name for it? Well, there's it's OD. OD. Yes, not o- olive drab. Oh, not olive. overdose. <laughs> but not because I do this thing. But we had uh, we were doing back in '77 mm-hmm. when WAKR had that TV station up there on Copley Road. Oh, right. Yep. WAKR. Yep. They came in and said, we'll sell you 10-second spots for some ridiculous low price, like $7 a piece. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to get their 7-second spots. So we had, I mean, 10-second spots. What can you do in 10 seconds? Right, right. So we had a picture of, of wallpaper, just some wallpaper, that was a kind of a stylized hand drawing of a roll of wallpaper that kind of flowed yep. with, with a wallpaper behind it. And it said, pre-pasted wallpaper, $2 a double roll, January paints, Akron. And back then, there was no cable. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of cable, but not much. And so ABC had no presence in Akron because Channel 5's transmitter was right up against Lake Erie. As they say in the trade, their stick was right near the shore up there. (laughs) So the the cutoff point was Portage Path. Okay. So south of Portage Path, you didn't get a very good signal. But WAKR originally was Channel 49. UHF. I remember channel, yep. And then it moved to 23, and the yeah. higher, the lower the number, the bigger the wave was, the b- wavelength. Okay. So, right. so it could bend around the earth a little bit. Not a lot. It was because mm. it was a straight line. But 49, 82, I think, was the highest number on UHF. Uh, a heavy fog would block that signal. <laughs> yeah. So 23 was really good. And we got, our, when we'd run our commercials, they'd get down almost to Columbus. If you live in the tor- north end of Columbus, you could watch the soap operas in the afternoon on Rabbit Ears on Channel 23. Wow. And so, and so, but if you're in Worcester or Killbuck or something like that, it um, came in real well. So nothing would happen all afternoon. And at 4 o'clock when all my C's, all my children, went off, the phone would start ringing, and it would ring, ring nonstop from 4 till 5. And these people would go crazy because they want to get directions, 
and um, this, that, and the other thing, because they're going to drive up from some far-flung place. So then we added... Because they saw the ad? Because they saw the ad on TV. Wow. And so we added... Uh, we've got an 800 number. We still have it. It's 448 800 that, listeners. And so they would call in on the on the 800 number, and we could take our time, give them directions, where you're coming from, and all that yeah. stuff. And if you run into somebody that did a lot of papering that's younger than me, they don't have to be 73, but say somebody that's 50 or 60, if you came in here, you couldn't turn around. For us, if you had to get to the back end of the store, we'd go out the front door through the parking lot. It was so crowded. But then Channel 23 went away, became a, you know, so they had old movies and crap. Mm -hmm. And then the Internet came along, and I never figured that out. (laughs) So guess what? There's six people in here. Um, what would be your favorite of all your wallpapers? What's your favorite? What's your favorite design wallpapers? Or one that sticks out and you're like, mm. it changes. It's kind of like cars. They come out with yeah. new, like I'm not saying this. I was going to pick up a wallpaper book. There's um, if there's a book with a name like Grand Design, let's say, and it comes out, it's out just for two years, mm-hmm. then it goes away. So things change, and so patterns change, yeah. and it's it's hard to say. It's uh, it just depends. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, when we first got married, how we papered everything. Yeah. The kitchen, I think the first we had children two and a half years into our marriage, and um, up until the baby was born, maybe the first year after the first child, we had papered our kitchen eight times. In two years. Just because it was fun to do, or you just wanted to change the design? Just change the design. Yeah. It was something you know, like it. So that's probably like a car lot. You, know? you realize nobody wants you. So yeah. I did a live. I, wanted, I, I asked you to be on my podcast. So oh, I know, and I, I appreciate wanted. that. Yeah. I think that, that makes me feel good. 40 year old guy says, hey, come and join me for a bullshit session. Man, that's that made my week. Uh, yeah. My brother, my baby brother, John, who's 12 years younger than me, decided to be a brewmaster back in the... Oh, before it was cool. Yeah, before it's cool, yeah. But there's actually enough brew pubs that when they go out of business, they can turn them into gas stations. Because when I was a kid, there was a gas station on every corner. Hmm. So you never had to worry about running out of gas unless you didn't have two bucks in your pocket. Mm -hmm. And now, there's a brew pub everywhere. Yeah, there really is. There is. It's just like it's... And you don't get to take part. No, well, I can't even smell anything anymore. I, I lost my sense of smell. There was something else I want to tell you about that. My brother's had his labels printed for his beer, mm-hmm. and it was drink and drive beer. And I had one bottle of it left at my house, and I was cleaning out the cupboard, the one the way one up over the top of the refrigerator. Yeah. And what the hell is this little beer? Oh, shit, this is... So I gave it to him. He had a shadow box made, put it in his living room. What year would that have been? Probably, I got married in 77, so 75, 76, something like that. Wow. That was that's way ahead of, that's like, a, didn't uh, Jimmy Carter's brother have a beer? Yeah, it was Billy, Billy Beer. Billy yeah, beer right. yeah. so he he probably didn't make Billy. it. He probably had somebody yeah, labeled it for him. How long we've been on? Three hours. Oh, oh. What do you, yeah, what is, what's green, green screen paint color? I'll show you. <laughs> Come on, just, right. nobody will swipe this stuff. 